our beloved chiropractic profession faces challenges like never before. These challenges come from not only outside the profession, but also from within. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and I've had the opportunity to see this profession as a practitioner, a teacher, an administrator, and a politician. In my over 40 years in chiropractic, I've just about seen it all. Join me on Cairo Rants for an honest and no-holds-barred discussion about all aspects of chiropractic practice, politics, education, and philosophy. We'll talk about subjects that most only want to whisper about, and we'll interview the leaders in our profession to get some straight-up answers. If you're looking for a politically correct chiropractic discussion, this is not the place. Welcome to Cairo Rants. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Cairo Rants. This is Dr. Bobby Braille. And today's Cairo Rants is a bit of a philosophical rant. And by that, I mean this. I have noticed over the years in dealing with young chiropractors, chiropractic interns, students, there is this mentality that comes about uh, relative to what they've kind of taught in school. And it's the treatment mode. Now, I was brought up in an age of chiropractic, and granted, there were, you know, different, you know, different views of chiropractic when I came out anyway, but uh, the basic fundamental principle that I learned from reading BJ, um, Fred Barge, Sid Williams, was that chiropractic was not a treatment mode. What it was is a correction, a correction of subluxation, neurological problem, therefore allowing the body to heal itself. It wasn't specifically the treatment of a entity or a disease or a pain or something like that. The care, according to like Gonstead and everybody else, was based upon what you found in the spine, the neurological insult, the subluxation, and then the specifics around correcting that to allow the body to heal itself. Chiropractic really wasn't a treatment mode. In fact, it would be incorrect to call it treatment. Um, in my office, we've always told patients, don't call it a treatment. It's, it's an adjustment. But the adjustment was geared towards removing nerve interference and allowing the body to heal itself. Now, the problem that I've run into in, in chiropractic and a lot of young chiropractors is that they're in this treatment mode. And what I mean by that is, a patient comes in or somebody says something and they have a certain condition or an ailment or a pain or something doesn't feel right and their first answer is oh well i know how to adjust that or i know it's like oh wow <laughs> you're adjusting it based upon the symptom without even looking to see what the subluxation was in other words oh i got a pain right here in my chest i got a rib adjustment for that i got a pain here in my in my neck oh i got a jaw adjustment for that it's like chiropractic got reduced to the treatment of things as opposed to the correction of nerve interference to allow the body to decide how to best care for itself and treat for itself. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a need for treatment in healthcare. There most certainly is. But the chiropractic specialty, the chiropractic focus has never been the treatment of things because if you go down that road of having to treat things, that means for every different condition that comes in to a chiropractic office, you have a different treatment mode. 
Now, there are some in chiropractic who would applaud that. Oh, yes, of course. Well, you know, that's never been the, the form of specific subluxation-based uh, principled chiropractic that I'm familiar with or that chiropractic was founded on. And for those who want to make the argument at an early stage here of, well, that's not scientific, yes, it is. It's more scientific than the crack them for a particular ailment form of chiropractic. That's not scientific. What is scientific is to locate, detect, correct subluxations very specifically, and then watching the effect that ha takes place after that, the changes in physiology. And there's a ton of science behind uh, not only chiropractic in general for the correction of subluxation, but uh, very specifically and more recently, the correction of upper cervical subluxations. Now, I, just as a, a upfront here, I am not a an upper cervical only chiropractor. I do focus on the upper cervicals. I do adjust other parts of the spine, but that's kind of not what this rant is about. This rant is more about the idea of getting into treatment versus correction. And there's an issue with that. If you start to treat things, then you become that kind of a, you know, it becomes very difficult. As, as a practitioner, if you get drawn into, oh, okay, they've got this, I've got to treat this. They've got that, I've got to treat that. Well, then you're also limited by what comes in. Sid Williams used to say something very interesting. He used to say, narrow focus, broad appeal. Broad focus, narrow appeal. And what he meant by that specifically was if you have a very specific focus, a narrow focus, the correction of the subluxation, the effect of the, on that on the human body is broad. I mean, it affects every function of the body, every part of the body. Therefore, any person with any type of a condition would be better off without subluxations and therefore better under chiropractic care. It doesn't mean I'm treating all those different conditions. In fact, I'm not. And the opposite would be that if you want to come in and treat everything, then you wind up only with a treatment for each of those different things that's very narrow in its focus, which is what the practice of medicine is. A person goes to a medical doctor, they very specifically have to hone down to that one specific entity to treat that. It is never a look at, okay, why is the body doing that? And let's get the body healthier so that it doesn't do that negative thing and the person heals. See, that's, that's the whole bit big difference between a chiropractic approach and a medical approach. The chiropractic approach has always traditionally been that if you remove nerve interference and allow the body to function at a higher level, to function at a more normal homeostasis, it takes care of itself. The mechanisms are built in. Now, that does not negate the need for emergency medical care under certain circumstances or treatment of injuries or illnesses that have gone too far that require outside intervention. I understand all of that. This is not all black and white. But the medical model has always been to try to find what that is, give it a name, and then have a specific treatment protocol for that one entity. Okay. Now, unfortunately, in many cases, a whole variety of entities are treated with a single drug, meaning one size fits all, but that don't work either. And for those who want to claim, oh, chiropractic is one size fits all, no, it's not. Every individual is getting a different adjustment. Okay, now it may even be the same technique, it may even be the same uh, directional force, but it's a different adjustment per patient because every patient receives it differently. Okay, you can say, well, medication does that too. It does to an extent, but... Uh, every patient in my office, even if they're getting the same technique, is not getting the same adjustment. 
You know, I can be adjusting an atlas on one side on a patient and then on the same side on a different patient. It's not the same atlas adjustment. The torque could be different. The vector could be different. The force could be different. The position could be different. There's a ton of little different things. And those who are upper cervical, I'm an old upper cervical toggle guy. Um, you realize the variations within even a single type of an adjustment of what can take place. And if you've been around as long as I have in the profession, you realize that every adjustment is like that. Every adjustment is a little bit different on every different patient. But the purpose of the care, the purpose of the correction is not to treat what they came in with. Now, that does not mean I don't want to see them get better. I mean, I, I want to see people feel better. I want to see people, you know, express health in a positive way that they notice and they can see. You know, I want to see the alleviation of symptoms. But that doesn't mean I treat the symptom. In my doctor's report, I clearly tell people that I adjustments don't make you feel better. Now, I know people hate to hear that, and certainly chiropractors hate to hear that, but adjustments do not make you feel better. Pushing a bone doesn't make you feel better. Correction of nerve interference so that the nerve works better is what allows your body to feel better and sometimes instantaneously. In fact, I love when that happens. I mean, nobody likes it better than me than when you make an adjustment, they get up off the table, whoa, life is different. I feel so much better, I can't believe it. Wonderful, you know? Uh, to me, that's a wonderful thing. It wasn't what I was, I wasn't treating their lower back, I wasn't treating their headache, I wasn't treating their female issues, I wasn't treating their bowels. I was correcting the nerve interference to allow their body to function better. And one of the pigeonholes we got into from the idea of treatment is that, okay, if you're treating and you're touching the back, therefore you're a back doctor. And I, I truly believe that's how we got pigeonholed into this. You're a musculoskeletal kind of a guy because you work on musculoskeletal. If that rationale were true in chiropractic, then all medical doctors or predominantly medical doctors are mouth doctors because the predominant way they treat people is by putting something in their mouth. So that must make most of the medical profession mouth doctors if we're back doctors. Well, neither one of those is true, okay? You take a medication through the mouth, it does, now, by the way, it doesn't know to go to a specific part of the body. It goes to every part of the body, and the part that has an issue just seems to be affected by it, maybe. But I'm not going to get into that. That's a different rant. But when you make a chiropractic adjustment, you're making it on the spine, on the related structures to the spine, to alleviate, correct, or start to reduce what we know as vertebral subluxation. In so doing, we affect the entire function of the body. And in many cases, the specific thing that they came into you with, the specific reason they came into you, uh, in many cases, and I love when it happens quickly, starts to alleviate itself. You know, in my office, uh, when a patient comes in, you know, the first question other than the name and, you know, the whatever basic information for contact, the first patient in a lot of offices is chief complaint. It says that right at the top, chief complaint. Now, you know, I've never been a complaint department, um, so that's not on my form. my form. My form says reason for seeking chiropractic. And, you know, I, 95 out of 100 people are going to say something like back hurts, neck hurts, headaches. That's fine. That's their reason for seeking chiropractic. I, I occasionally get the one that says a healthier body or wellness or, you know, maintenance. You know, that, that's a wonderful thing. And, um, 
you know, most of those people or almost all of those people have been on the chiropractic and that's why they're writing reason for seeing chiropractic now is a wellness or I want to feel better. You know, I, I want to be healthier. That's great. I, I love that. Um, only once in my career did I have somebody, and we have a question later on the form that says, uh, have you ever been under chiropractic care? And, and most of those who say maintenance, wellness, they've checked yes. I only had one ever that checked no, never been under chiropractic. And then for reason for seeking chiropractic, their answer was correction of vertebral subluxations for enhancement of my innate potential. And when I got them in the room and I saw the check mark, no, never been under chiropractic, I said, you ever been under chiropractic? I, I had to question it because maybe they checked that box wrong. They said, no, I've never been under chiropractic. I said, so correction of subluxation for enhancement of, you know, uh, for enhancement of my innate potential? It was your reason for seeking chiropractic? Yes. I said, that's outstanding. Explain that to me. Well, it turns out they knew a chiropractic student who got them all fired up, explained that's how it works, and then they decided to come under chiropractic. By the way, Congrats to that chiropractic student who I never found out who it was because that was outstanding that they got a person to actually get into chiropractic for that purpose as opposed to my back hurts today. You know, typically most of the patients, non-family member referrals, I'm speaking now, or people who have not been to my doctor's report, cold new patients, uh, it's, there's a symptomatic presentation and that's their reason for seeking chiropractic. Now, we do take it immediately after they've explained it back to subluxation, uh, back to, uh, you know, looking at the spine. In fact, uh, in my initial interview with a patient, the, I, if they say something like I've got, uh, you know, back pain, neck pain, whatever it is, or, you know, rumpture, gumpture with the trash bag, I repeat what they say and I say, okay, explain that to me. Explain it. Tell me about it. And they usually go off for a few minutes in most cases, telling you a little bit about the symptom and how long it's been there and where it hurts and show me, okay, and they point and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. I, I want that information. I'm not non-empathetic towards it. I want to hear them. And I want them to feel like they've had a chance to express themselves to me. I'm not cutting them off because of my philosophical understanding about, no, I don't want to hear that. No, I, I do want to hear. Tell me about it. You know, it's a physiological effect. I want to hear about the physiological effects because I expect them to change. You know, I'm not, I don't say that to the patient, but in my mind, that's where I'm at. Okay. So they tell me about it and I say, okay, now, now let me tell you a little bit about how this works and what we do here. And then I explain about the body's ability to heal itself. I explain about subluxation. I explain about the brain controlling all the body parts and how we're going to look to see if there's interference between the brain and the body parts, whether it be that part that they have a problem in or any other part for that matter, uh, that we're going to do an exam today. We're going to do some scans today. We're going to take some x-rays. And my detail, my explanation is a little longer than this, obviously. But, uh, and then that they'll be brought back in for a doctor's report, in which case they'll be here for about an hour because I am very thorough. Now, you say an hour. You do an hour-long report of findings? Yes, I do a group report of findings. You know, I have a, uh, even in a pandemic, we spread them out a little bit, and they can wear masks they feel like it. But uh, we have a group, you know, and I do more of them now because I have smaller groups. But uh, So, you know, we have a group presentation, and I get up there and do on a PowerPoint an hour-long presentation, followed by them going into the rooms individually to see their x-rays because people I don't get to let people see other people's x-rays uh, nor should you so you know I'm doing a full onslaught one hour presentation 
And in many cases, between that and the x-rays, it takes 90 minutes or more, depending on how many people are there. But, uh, you know, usually, and it's not an optional thing. It's part of the care. So they're just, and we'll talk about that in a different rant. I'll talk about the need to do that kind of a, a process because I really can't explain everything I want them to know in 10 minutes. It's, it takes me an hour to do so. But I'm getting very much into the mode with them that we are not treating the reason they came in here. We are correcting the cause of why they came in here or the fundamental underlying cause of why their body isn't fixing why they came in here. You know, if they got a headache, I'm not treating the headache. I'm correcting the cause of why their body is allowing them to have, or why their body's not fixing a headache. Years ago, I, I did a, a deposition for an attorney and, um, you know, he probably thought he was really smart in the matter. And he was, um, he, he, he asked me a question about, you know, although it wasn't on my, it wasn't on my form of my diagnosis. Uh, my diagnosis of the patient was vertebral subluxation. And I listed the component parts and some of the effects of that being their symptoms and things like that. And some of the spinal changes. So when they asked me what I was taking care of, I was correcting the subluxations. It was an accident case, and I was correcting the subluxations, going over that. And then um, he said, well, the patient, uh, you know, was diagnosed by the MD with fibromyalgia. And um, were you aware of that? And I said, no, I've not seen his diagnosis. You know, mine was subluxation and the component parts of it, you know. And he kept trying to go back to fibromyalgia because he obviously had this whole protocol of how you're supposed to treat fibromyalgia, you know. And he tried a couple of times when we got into some of the component parts and about treating that. And I said, well, no, I was correcting myself. He kept trying to take me into the treatment mode uh, question-wise because he had his whole battery of questions probably set up to try to medically trap me or something like that. And, and by the way, lawyers can do that because if you – stray outside of where you're supposed to be, you become pretty vulnerable and they can get you pretty easily. Uh, so I, I never recommend that. I, I, you know, stick to the principle. It is very defendable. It is very strong. And chances are, no matter who you're speaking to, they're not nearly as good an expert at it as you are. So if you get into the treatment mode, they may have a whole, you know, an attorney may have a whole liturgy of questions with experts and quotes on the treatment of certain things that you just claimed you were treating. Uh, but if you're into subluxation, it's going to be very difficult for them to do that because, I mean, who are they going to go get, uh, BJ or something like that, you know, some book, and that's fine because I probably read it anyway. Uh, so, you know, on that level, I've never had an issue. I did have one attorney one time uh, years ago. I asked that they do, it was an attorney for my patient, and I asked that they do a pre-trial um, conference with me. Um, we had done a depot, and uh, they wanted to have, now have me go to court. And I said, let's do a pre-trial conference, of which they were supposed to pay me for. And he wanted to save a few bucks, so he said, let's not do that. I said, I, you really need to do that. No, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. I, I know what to ask you when I get there. Some you know, young, smart-ass uh, attorney who thought he had all the answers. So his very first question was... Um, Dr. Brill, did you have the occasion to treat Miss uh, Mary whatever for her, uh, and then he named the condition, uh, some kind of a, you know, sciatic pain or something like that, he said. And I said, no. And he paused. And it was like, oh, my God, what did I just do wrong? Uh, Dr. Brill, was not Mary a patient of us? Yes, she was. 
were you not treating her for her side? No. What were you treating her for? I was correcting her subluxations that were a result of the accident that then created the situation that was causing the pain that you just called sciatica. Oh, you see, the clown should have done a depot with me so he knew not to fall in that hole look stupid. But if he'd have done, you know, if I'd have said, yes, I was treating a sciatica, then, then the, the other attorney gets up there with all this medical literature and says, well, the treatment of sciatica is this, that, and the other thing, and you didn't follow any of those protocols, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you're screwed you know, on the stand in front of a jury. I'm not going there. Stay within our principle, and I can answer any of those questions, and they also can't nail me on it, you know. And, and attorneys love to play that game. I know we've kind of drifted into attorneys here a little bit, but it's fun. Um, I've had a couple of attorneys over the years who want to take me down that primrose path of treatment of this and that and the other thing, and uh, or the opposite, and try to claim that I was some kind of an oddball. I had one attorney, well, I had more than one, but I had one attorney specifically one time say, uh, Dr. Brilla, are you a straight chiropractor? <laughs> I thought about going for the comedy on that one. Um, yeah, I'm married, you know, but I didn't go that route. Um, yeah, I'm heterosexual, I'm married. No, I didn't go that route. Because it's a depot, there's people there, you know, they're, they're recording and that kind of stuff. I says, um, look, I said, define straight. And he didn't have a good definition. In fact, the one attorney that I had was a woman. She goes, well, you know, there's different types of chiropractors. There's straight chiro. Are you, are you a straight chiropractor? And I says, well, I don't use that term. My license doesn't say that. So you'll have to define that term. And then I'll tell you if I fit your definition. And obviously, they were not prepared to define the term, nor if they defined it, was I going to fit it because they probably had it wrong anyway, whatever that meant. And then they asked a question that attorneys are not supposed to ask, which is one they don't have the answer to themselves. Well, Dr. Bear, would other chiropractors consider you a straight chiropractor? Well, that's a silly question because my answer was, well, you're going to have to ask them that. <laughs> you know, what do I, how can I answer for what other chiropractors consider me? And then uh, the question followed up with that. Well, Dr. what kind of a chiropractor are you? Great. Now I got to define my box, my parameters. And they were stuck in that. And, you know, in this particular deposition, by the way, at the end of it, I was adjusting the young uh, attorney on my table right after that because they were so kind of enthused by what I was telling them in chiropractic. But it worked out fine, you know. If we stay within our principle, stop treating First of all, from a standpoint of, a, a, you know, if you're on this and listening to this podcast and you aspire to having a high volume practice, which I highly recommend, they're fun. You know, it's fun to take care of lots of people and have children and families coming in. But if you get into the treatment mode of specific conditions and ailments and things like that, that slows you way down. And by the way, you're not being any more empathetic towards a patient by doing that. You know, the idea of, well, I'll, 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 you know, check every little thing and look at everything and treat that. You know, you're not, you're not, first, empathy means caring for the patient, which you can do in a matter of seconds, if you do it right, righty, and then helping them, which to me, the most, the best thing you can do to help somebody is to correct subluxations. That's your expertise. Everything else can be done by somebody else, you know? Oh, but they needed that. You know what? Great. They need financial assistance. You want to help them with that? They need marriage counseling. You want to help them with that? You know, they need their teeth cleaned. You want to put that in your office as well? You know, we are we are a very specific, unique, 
a non-duplicatable service of correction of nerve interference, an amazing gift that we can give the public health. And, you know, the reality of it is if people knew and fully embraced and understood what it is we do, we would not be able to take care of them all. Seriously. I mean, if you look at the idea of in the United States of America, and I, somebody did the calculation on this, and I think it's correct. If, if we saw 5% of the population regularly, I know they took some numbers, oh, yeah, we're at 14, whatever percent. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. Not on a regular basis. If we took care of 5% of the population in the United States only on a regular basis, where they came in for regular adjustments, checked if necessary, adjusted, um, with the number of chiropractors in this country, and you distribute them evenly, all those people, every chiropractor would be over 500 visits a week because <laughs> you couldn't do it, all righty? And, and, and certainly there are chiropractors seeing many more than that, but I'm saying the average chiropractor doesn't see near that. You know, like one-fifth of that is what the average number of a, of a chiropractor has been in practice for a while. Uh, and so certainly if we got, and, and by the way, if you look at the busiest practices, you know, the ones who are seeing the multitudes, hundreds of people a day type of a deal, you know, um, you'll find something very unique. They're all, they're all almost un universally, they're all correcting subluxations, and that's, what they're, and that's the only thing they're doing. You know, they're correcting subluxations and those procedures to help correct subluxations. They're not, they're not treating a variety of things, you know. Because uh, then you always get into, well, what's that got to do with chiropractic with a different condition because you didn't treat that condition? I don't treat conditions. I correct subluxation. So, so my rant today is basically focused around correcting nerve interference, not dealing with treatment of various entities. That is a long and winding, unfortunate road that will lead you to boredom, lead you to burnout, and just absolutely take you out of what you can be doing to become a successful, volume, loving, and a fun practice of seeing the multitudes uh, because you're getting into the treatment of all these different things. Uh, it, it really is tiring to do that. It's exciting to turn on life within people by making a specific scientific chiropractic adjustment and then watching great things happen. So that's my Cairo rants for today. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of this great chiropractic day. Thank you for listening to Cairo Rants. Subscribe for free and listen to insightful, truthful, and hard-hitting discussions with some of the biggest names in chiropractic. Cairo Rants is sponsored in part by Now You Know Online and in-office educational services. Learn how to expand your educational outreach to your patients and your community at www.nowyouknow.net. The opinions of Cairo Rants are exclusively those of Dr. Braille and do not reflect the opinions of any associations, groups, institutions, or sponsors mentioned in these podcasts. This has been Cairo Rants.